not everybody's going to accept you or hire you. So what? That's just the way life works. But as I talked about in the other show, go through the doors that open for you. Keep knocking on the doors. Somebody's going to say, wow, you're perfect. Please don't change. We need you exactly the way you are. Please don't change. to Inside Acting, a podcast dedicated to demystifying the inner and outer game of success in the entertainment industry. I'm AJ Meyer. And I'm Trevor Algott. And coming up in episode 251, we bring you the second and final part of our chat with returning superstar guest, Steve Rohr, and psychologist, author, and executive coach, Dr. Shirley M. Pelizzeri. Together, they wrote the book, Scared Speechless, Nine Ways to Overcome Your Fears and Captivate Your Audience. And in today's episode, we dive deeper into the timeless principles that anybody, not just artists and actors and people, but anybody anybody can employ to effectively play the room, build immediate rapport with others at social gatherings, the various ways that we all consciously and subconsciously communicate our intentions and truth to others. We talk about how to leverage the power of rituals and routine and and habits to, uh, as Tony Robbins might say, put us quote unquote in state. Pretty cool stuff. NLP stuff there. And how to, I'm sorry, and how curiosity is the antidote to judgment. So it's another deep dive noodle bake of an episode, episode 251. It's all coming up and a lot more. So stick around. Support for this episode of Inside Acting comes from Rehearsal Pro, the next version of Rehearsal, the essential app for actors. And it's now available in the iTunes App Store. If you want to learn your lines, be off book for your auditions or your understudy roles, I don't know anything about that. Explore your character, make stronger choices, do a whole lot more. Go to rehearsal.pro slash IAP right now to learn all about the great new features and the newest version of Rehearsal, the groundbreaking app designed by actors for actors. That's rehearsal.pro slash IAP. Rehearsal Pro, the app for actors. All right, all right, all right. Oh, he's back. Episode 251. We have our second Oscar winner. Hello. <laughs> Mr. McConaughey, <laughs> such a pleasure. Long time no talk, man. We have a lot to sort of catch each other up on and to catch our listeners up on. So let's go ahead and just jump right into some of the announcements we have for this episode. So first up, we want to give a big thanks to everybody who came out to the free voice class event that we had for members and non-members. Uh, it looks like Rosa, I wasn't able to make it. I had a, a voice, a Vio to Go Go class that I was teaching, but it looks like Rosie, uh, Ila, James, and Katra came out. Jen, our production coordinator, and Deb, our community manager, coordinated this whole thing, and uh, Darcy Monet contributed her time, talents, and energy free of charge. So it sounds like it was a really great event. Uh, wish more people had come but uh it sounds like it was great for everybody involved so big thanks to everybody who came out and we have our next event coming up on mark this in your calendars sunday october 23rd and this is going to be awesome it's a discounted headshot session with best headshots la photographer adam emperor southern and adam is a a good friend of the podcast Uh, i've shot with him a few times Have have you shot with him aj not yet, but October 23rd just may well, very well be the first time. Cool. Yeah, he's, he's uh, like I say, he's a good friend, uh, very talented guy, very nice guy, got a great eye, and uh, and I, I've, I've always enjoyed shooting with him. I would not hesitate to recommend him to anybody. So to hear that we're going to be able to get a bunch of people together and do this uh, uh, as, as, a, as a group uh, on, on uh, Sunday, October 23rd, it's going to be a lot of fun. So details are coming, but put that in your calendar. Now we are so excited to be sharing this with people. So prices and all that fun stuff, location, time, all that's coming up, but just book out Sunday, October 23rd for, uh, members and non-members alike. There will be a little perk for members. Um, but anybody is welcome to, to join us for this. I, I have, I have taken pictures with him. I just have not taken headshots with him. 
um, just like more of his like fun projects and stuff like that he does outside of the headshot space. Yeah. Um, yeah, but this is going to be really cool. Like, uh, you know, one, maybe two looks like just, you know, every third, I don't know what we're doing, like 30 minutes or something like that. It's gonna be a really cool way to get a new look to, for your, uh, for your portfolio, your gallery, yeah. your website. <laughs> yeah. And the, and the price is right. I, 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 we haven't finalized things yet, but what we're talking about is, is definitely a very, uh, reasonable ask and exchange of value. So, uh, I wanted to get back to also highlighting some of the kick-ass conversations that are happening inside the membership. Uh, a lot of stuff in there that, uh, I just want to be sure everybody knows about. Uh, for instance, uh, Tiffany Hudson, longtime member and supporter of the podcast, uh, works for soul pancake. You guys know Soul Pancake, the uh, the YouTube channel. I'm sure you know it, AJ. Kid President, Yo, I love all that it. fun stuff. I think it was my pick of the week at one point a while back. Yeah, Soul Pancake's awesome. Anyway, she's uh, she just posted something about auditions that they're having. So it's like this stuff is in the membership. Auditions for Soul Pancake, quite possibly one of the biggest and most popular YouTube channels uh, out there. So that's pretty cool. There's a great thread uh, about IMDb Pro strategies. There's also a great video in that thread, a great video uh, in that thread. Uh, there's some discussion about organizing a regional actors slash minor markets online meetup via Skype or Google Plus Hangouts. So that looks like that'll be happening pretty soon. Uh, I went ahead and posted, um, I'm just going through a list here, by the way. I went ahead and posted my 12 rules, uh, like in reference to the Craig Ballantyne interview. Maybe you guys remember he po he talked about his 12 rules, which are sort of, you know, guidelines he has for his life and, and his conduct. I, I found that to be a powerful exercise. So I posted my slightly adapted version of his 12 rules that anybody can use to sort of riff on. Uh, if they'd like, uh, there are a few people choosing to offer some poignant thoughts on, uh, what it takes or doesn't take to choose an acting school or a, an acting teacher. This is in reference to Mike Bauer's question from an episode or two back. And on the episode 249 thread, uh, a listener named Audrey shares some thoughts on practicing the craft by yourself. And she shared something that I thought was worth mentioning on the air, which is uh, she says that basically something she tries to do and that she thinks is useful to actors is to practice really feeling feelings, which I, I just want to say that again, because I think it sounds kind of funny. But if you think about it, it's actually uh, a, a pretty deep um thing to do with your life and your time because i think so often we spend our time running away from feelings or distracting ourselves by consuming more information so what does it look like to really practice feeling your feelings because that's you know that's our job as actors right so she says she tries to stay in the moment with them with these feelings noticing them coming up experiencing the the sensations in her body uh and then uh and then just really trying to sort of be familiar with that. She says to try to memorize, almost memorize the sensation. Depends on your acting approach, but that could be a very valuable thing to say like, okay, when this emotion comes up, I feel it here, here, and here in my body. These are the thoughts that accompany it. This is the way I, I sort of physically react, you know, whether it's sweaty palms or, or, you know, a tingling in the back of your neck, whatever it is. Uh, she says a lot of people are cutting themselves out of their feelings because it's, it's just kind of how we're conditioned to be in our society to sort of keep our feelings at arm's length. Uh, you know, we're not supposed to show anger or any really strong emotions in public. We're supposed to be pretty neutral in our society. So it can be challenging to go and dig these, these emotions up and, 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 uh, you know, use them when we're doing our work, uh, on stage, on front of a camera with another actor for a scene. So that's one way that she goes about it. And it reminds me uh, of Nori Victoria's comments back in episodes 166 through 168, where she, she talks about making a conscious point every day to really be with her emotions and her feelings and the experience of being a, a human being emotionally and spiritually moving through the world. And she makes a point to really feel those and, and, uh, and go there every day because it's part of our job as actors. So I thought that was a, a, a neat little sort of, you know, nugget to drop into the conversation. We so often don't go into technique land on this podcast, you know, because mm. it's like, what do you, you can't teach an acting class on a, an audio podcast. It just doesn't, I, well, maybe you can, but we don't go there. Um, <laughs> it's <laughs> just I, not what this podcast is about. Yeah. But I think, you know, in terms of being a sort of, um, well-adjusted, uh, connected, Em empathic human being 
uh, which, as we know, translates to being an effective, well-connected, you know, empathic actor. Uh, I think this is a great thing to do to just constantly consciously put down the phone and just ask yourself, okay, it's kind of like meditation. You know, something comes up and you say, okay, wow, there is anger. There is fear. There is anxiety. There is joy. And just saying, okay, I'm feeling this. What does this feel like? You know, it's, it's simple, but profound story of my life, but you know, uh, powerful stuff. Well, it also reminds me of, well, maybe I haven't talked about it on the podcast yet, but, but I know you made it your pick of the week once I'm, I'm 20, 20, 21 days into uh headspace, the headspace journey. Yeah, man, we're buddies. I've been tracking your progress. So- I know, I know we are buddies. I have, I have uh, a year and a half to catch up to you, but, um, <laughs> and I probably never will if you, if you don't break your, your current streak, but, um, just the, the idea of bringing mindfulness to our lives and everything that we do, I think it goes along with this as well. Um, I've noticed that I have slightly better every day, a little bit better, like just a, a millimeter better ability to notice things. And once again, like you just said, Trevor, simple but profound just to know that, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm more mindful of that interaction with that person. I'm more mindful of this sore spot on my neck or back or shoulder. I'm more mindful of the emotion that I'm feeling right now, which is what is this, is what reminded what this re- reminded me of. You know, it's, it's, um, this is a specific kind of mindfulness having to do with, specifically with feelings, but, uh, you know, mindfulness, a mindfulness practice is supportive in this same area. I mean, can you imagine if, and I mean, this is, okay. You know how sometimes people, myself, other actors who write into the show, actors I talk to on a regular basis, sometimes we don't know what to do, um, either in the business side of acting or the craft side of acting. I think on the craft side of acting, practicing this and like Larry Moss's uh, invitation to um, spend time imagining things, just like exercising your imagination muscle. Can you imagine if you were like exercising your mindfulness of your feelings muscle and your imagination muscle every single day? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's inspiring and daunting, but it it it, it makes me want to to do this to get better as an actor. I'm like, oh man, this is like this is juicy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can say at, uh, I got, I think I'm like 434 days into my headspace journey, uh, in a row, consecutive days, something like that as of this morning. And it is so powerful to have that awareness around, uh, basically the, the two versions of myself. I think Eckhart Tolle talks about this in the power of now or, uh, a new earth, one of the two books, but he talks about, you know, suffering from this anxiety and this fear and this sort of inner torment for so much of his, you know, the first half of his life. And he was laying in bed one day and, and he just said to himself, I can't live with myself anymore. And then he, he kind of caught himself and he said, wait a second, what does that even mean? I can't live with myself. So that would imply that there are two of me in here. There's this sort of ego self. And this is like, you know, all the way back to like Buddhist practices and whatnot, but there's the ego self and then there's this like smaller, stiller, sort of farther back, wiser, calmer, observant self. And that's the self that we want to be connected with as much as possible. And that self just watches the ego throw its tantrums and have its parties and stuff. And the ego is where I think most of us are conditioned to live in our society. But if we can just learn to see the difference between the two, we can really leverage uh, the power that each one offers. And I think that when it comes to emotional work, like is required for, for art making, authentic art making, it's so powerful just to recognize when you're throwing a fit because you're getting some sort of weird emotional payoff from it. And when you're throwing a fit because you're, you genuinely feel hurt, you know what I mean? And and then just, and then experiencing what that is and just saying, Oh, okay. You know, maybe this isn't about me and yet this is the way I'm reacting. And there's, there's, it's just a whole nother level of sort of self-examination. Uh, and there's so much to learn mm. about, about the human condition. And then you start looking at other people in the world and you're like, I used to despise that person. And now I just see that they are just like me. And then I would be doing mm. and saying and acting the same way they are if I were in their situation. And, and you start, it's, it's, it's incredible. It's, 
I wish we had Headspace as a sponsor. Maybe we should look into that because I, I can't uh, recommend that practice enough. So I, I just hijacked that. Your comment yes. there. Sorry, man. That would be epic. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I just picked up my phone. I'm like looking to see if there's any sort of affiliate, anything, uh, Andy, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah. So moving on, uh, and C S I L N. let me try that again. It's spelled N C I S L A. There we go. Your episode has aired. It hasn't actually aired as of this recording, but by the time people listen to this, it will have already aired. If you're listening to this, and you didn't see it, go on to the CBS app, I guess, because it will have already aired on the, on, on, on the air. Cool. And what are your plans to capture this and, and uh, get it into a format you can add to your demo reel? Well, I'm just going to, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait until after it, it goes um, on to the, like the app and everything. And I'm going to see if I can find it online first. And if not, I'm just going to use one of those, um, those services um man why am i drawing help me out here trevor why am i drawing yeah i mean years ago secret handshake used to do it i don't know if they're still in business doing that specifically i think they've transitioned just to creating reels but uh there are a bunch of services out there that you can contact who can dig up your episode and, and digitize it and put it on a dvd or something for you what i've done in the past is i've just found my episode on amazon or, or itunes i think i used amazon and then i used a screen cap software to just basically record that part of the screen in real time as it was playing uh you know the episode and then i just drag drag that in my my reel the only issue with that is that some uh, very often those those services are starting to become um so good at their digital rights management that it will um it won't allow you to do that <clears throat> so like i've tried to capture some some stuff off of itunes and then there's like a blank like a checkered thing instead of the actual video itself that's that's why i used uh, amazon because it played in like a web browser and i could i could screen cap the web browser Got it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. iTunes blocks uh, that kind of thing. But Amazon, I think you can still get around it. And yeah, I think you said CBS.com will have the episodes or you can do their subscription service or something. Yeah. Cool, man. So we'll see. Who knows? Badass, dude. Badass. We want to give a very quick shout out to the one and only vo2gogo.com you knew that was coming it's the award-winning voiceover training system and the winner of backstage's reader's choice award that means all the readers of backstage the possibly the the most widely circulated actor specific publication actor-centric publication in the world all those readers voted vo2gogo.com the best voiceover training for four years in a row i mean that's pretty huge so you can visit vo2gogo.com slash start to see what this is all about. You can get access to a free getting started in voiceover online class that will help you add voiceover to your acting portfolio or just help you decide if you even want to go down this path. But if you ask me, it is the absolute best voiceover training out there. And yes, I'm biased, but I've also seen a lot of the other trainings. And there's some really good ones out there. It's kind of hard to go wrong, but I think uh, that this one is the best. And uh, yes, like I said, I'm biased, but I would also say that if I wasn't biased. Does that make sense? It's a true story. So that's VO, the number two, gogo.com slash start. And without further ado, let's jump into part two of our chat with Steve Rohr and Dr. Shirley Impelazeri. There is a little bit of um, interference, sort of static in the middle of this interview, uh, but everything is still pretty... Um, you can still hear and understand everything, so just stick with us through that 30 seconds or so. And uh, enjoy this, and we'll catch you on the other side.
100% like on board with the the sort of biofeedback that, that clothing provides and how that can influence a person's presence. But I also, you know, I, I think of personal style and the, the thing that came up for me is like, you know, I'm, when I think of George Clooney, I almost always in my mind's eye see him in a suit, like a really nice mm. tailored suit. And mm-hmm. when I think of somebody like, say, Colin Farrell, I don't, I mean, I've seen him in a suit, but I often think of him, you know, with like a scarf and like ratty jeans and like the beanie. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. and so that's kind of his style. So how do you, how do you coach people on, on sort of where that is? Well, I would say that both of those guys are famous. (laughs) Yeah. And when you're (laughs) famous, guess what? (laughs) Whatever the frick you want to, right? It to a point, to a point. But when you're first starting out, you've got to. You've got to really look the part of a star. That is my philosophy, hands down. If you dress like Colin Farrell and you expect to get some sort of attention, you will, but perhaps not the kind of attention you want. He's a great-looking guy. He can carry this off. But again, when you're starting out, do you really want to be showing up like that? Do you really want to be showing up like that? That's the that's the question. Yes, you have to be authentic and hold on to your style. That's great. But remember, this has to translate to a demographic. This has to translate across a wide spectrum of, of people. You've got a lot big audience to, to reach right here. Now, some people might think it's really cool you look like that, but others will be turned off by it. So find the common denominator, if possible, when you're first starting out. That's my advice. Hmm. Yeah, and it's not so much that we're telling people to be different than who they are. You know, if if that's your style and you're extremely confident and you can own it, then it may work for you more often than not, you know. Um, but even, you know, even, what's his name, Colin? Colin Farrell, yeah. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, you know, if he shows up in, you know, at the Oscars wearing, you know, um, I don't know, sweatpants, it would would I think he can be a big star, but in the minds of people, he's not really respecting the event that it is. And so it could still be perceived negatively. That may not mean that that may not mean that he's going to lose a role on it, but but it's how people remember you, you know, and that's a we, great point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When we have memories, what we remember is how we felt, not so much maybe what happened, but we do remember how we felt. For example, if I have this kind of ew, you know, when I if, if I see him dressed kind of, you know, sloppily at the Oscars and his movie comes out, and now I'm associating that feeling of, eh, I may, I may be tempted to pick another movie. You know, I mean, we never know how subtly it can influence us. And, and again, it does, Steve and I are certainly not saying don't be yourself, but you also have to t- kind of take a look at um, what the situation calls for as well. This is making me think, and perhaps it's just the uh, fact that it's a, an accessory, a, a hat is a literal accessory when when it comes to fashion it's making me think of the section of the book where you guys talk about the i think you call it the hat trick of <laughs> you know putting a different hat on depending on what your your audience is steve would you say that this is about putting on like your star hat absolutely and when we're talking about confidence walking on a red carpet can be very very scary walking into a tv studio can be very very scary and people will tend to lose their nerve at some point. But what we say is, look, think of a time in your life where you feel most confident. Maybe it's being a big sister giving advice. Maybe it's being a mom. Maybe it's being a little league coach. The point is, you have the capacity to be confident. You have the capacity to be confident. It's not that you can't be confident. You can be. You're just not feeling it at that moment. So wear the hat where you feel most confident. In other words, how do you feel when when you're the big sister? How do you feel when you're a mom? Moms out there, let me let me tell you, who you know, if I said this is the way you need to raise your child, most moms would have a problem with that. Hmm. They're very confident in how they're going to raise their child, and certainly, I'm not going to tell them how to do it. So. That feels a certain way, and you carry yourself a certain way. So you wear that hat into that television studio, onto that red carpet. You have the capacity to do it. Hmm. And I, I think a, a neat flip side to, to that, because sometimes I know I can move through the world and feel a little 
um, or a lot self-conscious. And I find that it really supports me to sort of instead turn my focus towards the other people in, in a situation and say like, okay, well, rather than focusing on how I want to feel, let me focus on, on what I want them to experience as a result of me being here. Um, can you guys maybe talk a little bit about that sort of, maybe Dr. Shirley, this is better um, directed towards you because it's more of a psychological type thing. Can you talk more about maybe how that might be effective for some people? That's a wonderful tool to use because sometimes when we're relating it to us, it's harder to to do that. But when we think of other people, it's a little easier. So if you're thinking of, you know, how do I want them to perceive me, then that helps you understand how you need to be in the room. Um, another kind of version of that is, you know, if you think of someone who you view as strong and confident, it doesn't matter whether they are or not, it could even be a character they're playing. And you think, how would that person act? And then you kind of become that person. And especially as actors, that could be a little easier to do than uh, people who aren't, aren't trained that way. And then all of a sudden, as you start to act that way, people respond to you in a certain way and it becomes cyclical. And so then you really, you're not, you're only faking it, you know, uh, quote unquote, so, so to speak, for a little bit, because then, then we will continue to, to uh, embody how we're being related to. And so it does become cyclical. And I think those two are very good, um, two other tools to use. And look, you get the focus yeah. off of you, then it makes it, you know, then you're not stuck in your head. You're more present. You're more in the here and now. You're more in the room. Hmm. Uh, and I don't like to be in a room, by the way. I, I'm a pretty <laughs> introverted person. If I don't have to go to a party, I won't go. It's hard for me to walk into a room and network. It really is. And one of the ways I tell people to to walk in a room and, and really kill it is to make it into a game. It's getting out of your head. So if you are with a friend and you walk into a room and you've got to network this room and you're you're really not you're not equipped emotionally to do it perhaps you can make it into a game you can say find five people who have lived in austin texas that's your job whoever whoever gets to five first buys drinks so then wow. you split up and you work the room and you find those five people hey where are you from i'm from omaha See ya. I'm from Austin. Loser. Number two. Number two. Find three people who are wearing a red blouse in the room. Make it a game wow. so that you have a purpose, not just to go and sell yourself or give your elevator speech, but you've got this other kind of quirky, wacky purpose. I had a client who was on a pretty popular television show, and one of her co-stars came up with a game that the two of them played. They they weren't really thrilled about doing press all the time, but every time they did a press conference or they did some press together, they would come up with a, a word that they each had to say during that press conference. <laughs> so it could be yeah. like jean jacket. So during the press con conference, one of them would have to say jean jacket. At some point, which is kind of hard to slip in, <laughs> so you you find a word that's that's tough to fit in, and then you make it part of the game, and it becomes play. Because really, what is this? It is play. It, we we treat this like life or death. And yes, the stakes feel high to us, and it's very important to us. But really, you're playing. Actors are players, and so play the room. And and you know, once you start doing that, and you're out of your head, like Steve is saying, because you're focused on you know finding the person from what was it Austin. You know, Austin, you start Texas, talking yeah. to people and then all of a sudden you start relating to people and you're talking to people and then and then all the anxiety or fear goes away, at least for that moment. And then maybe when the conversation ends, the anxiety may show up a little bit again, but then you go and you, you're off and you, you're doing, you're still playing that game, which takes you out of your head and into the room. It's such and an important... ask a ton of questions. That's another way to get out of your head because communication research shows that the person who talks the most in a conversation feels the best about that conversation. And people love to talk about themselves. At this <laughs> point, I've talked most of this interview. So, so <laughs> when you walk into that room and you start meeting people, ask people questions. People love to talk about themselves. They'll feel really good about you. They mm. won't know why, but they'll feel really good about you. 
And that's another great way to get out of your head. Yeah, there's that that uh, famous story, I think, that Dale Carnegie tells in his book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. I think he was meeting a, a politician's wife or something. And, you know, he didn't really know her or know much about her, but he had heard that she had recently been on like a safari in Africa or something. And so he just said, yeah, tell me about this, this trip you just went on. And she said, oh, it's great. And this and that. And he said, oh, really? Tell me more about that. And then basically every time she kind of came to a stopping point, he said, that's amazing. Tell me more about that. And the next day in the, <laughs> the next day in the paper, um, I hope I'm remembering this correctly, but the next day in the paper, apparently some article came out and she was quoted as saying that Dale Carnegie is the most interesting man. <laughs> yeah. See, there you go. There you uh, go. And it. you don't need to talk business with people all the time. That's not how people bond. Usually yeah. people bond over their cat yeah. or how they grow irises or you, something that feels more personal to them, especially people who are established industry types. You know, they talk about the business all day long. But if you could talk about the best schools or you can talk about horseback riding, you can you can find a different level and it connects you in a different way. And they start seeing you as a human being and you start seeing them as a human being. And guess what? How can that be bad? Hmm. Yeah. That's what they're going to remember is how they felt with you in the room and then, you know, either do a write-up like you're telling the story or call you in for an audition uh, because you will now be on their radar because you're on their emotional radar. I, I love that. It, bringing it back to emotion, like that's really what it is all about. We are like we like to think that we're these logical, intellectual, you know, beings walking around making sound choices on our judgment and weighing the pros and cons. But the truth is that we we run 100 percent on emotion. And I'm I'm curious. I, I don't know if this study is true or not, but I'm I'm I've heard that like 93 percent of our communication is nonverbal. And that's correct. Is that correct? So yeah. how does that break down? Because I know it's like, you know, a certain percentage is body language, some of it's pacing and tone. And how does that break down? Do you guys know? Well, yeah, about 92, 93 percent of the emotional impact of any kind of message is nonverbal. So that is both what you don't say. <laughs> so silence can be a form of communication. And it's it's all of the body language. It's the facial experience. Expressions. It's the micro expressions. It's the filler language we talked about. It's the clothing that we wear. So actions do speak louder than words. And it's, in many it's cases, also, yeah, including including with all those points that Steve just mentioned. It's also the prosody, which means the tone of our, our voice. You know, we have um, the auditory part of the brain is right next to the threat detector part of the brain which is why yelling with kids can be so so uh, traumatic for them uh, because it feels very um, it feels very scary but it's not so much in the words it's the tone that we use you know if we use a tone with our significant other we can either cause their nervous system to want to be open and continue to hear us or to feel the need to close and defend themselves and the words can be exactly the same so for example if you go hi honey how are you hi honey I mean, you know, the second one makes you want to go, whoa. And the first one is open. It's, and, and I've said the exact same words. So, so it's really the, the tone that we use is so much more important, can be so much more important than the words that we use. And that's, uh, that's registered by the brain immediately. Hmm. How would, what would be the first um, step or piece of advice or guidance you would offer somebody to become more tuned into this kind of thing? Because some people have a certain sensitivity to it, and other people, it's just, it doesn't even register. Well, awareness is always the first step. You know, uh, when we're not aware, we're kind of on autopilot or what I call emotional autopilot. But that awareness will give us choices. You know, awareness in and of itself doesn't make changes. But if I'm now aware that the tone of my voice causes people to want to defend themselves as opposed to want to hear what I have to say, then I need to be aware of that. And as I'm aware of it, I'm in the here now. And in that moment, I can try and shift my tone. Mm -hmm. And so there's my option. You know, whereas if, when I wasn't aware of it, I just kept talking the way I'm talking, because how can I change something I'm not aware of? the awareness of it gave me an option. Okay, is that really how you want to say that sentence or do you want to maybe wait and calm down a little bit and say it in a softer way uh, as an example? So awareness is always the key 
to changing things that aren't working. And sometimes there's things that we're not aware of, but other people always point out to us. Or, you know, when you think, you know, I've heard that before, but I don't think I do that. You know, to take a few moments and tune in. And, and it may not be your intention if it's something that isn't very pleasant, but, uh, but you may be doing it without noticing it. Hmm. And accepting that feedback is really important. It's really challenging to take any kind of feedback. We feel like we're being assaulted. But it's, it's really critical if you want to become a better communicator and an efficient, effective communicator. You have to listen to what they're saying, take it in, and evaluate whether it applies to you or whether you want to accept it, but really be open to it. It's, it's a challenge, but again, it's very critical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One, one thing that came up, um, for, for both AJ and I was, as we were sort of going through the book and, and talking about it and sharing notes on it, um, was the idea that it's really not about who is conveying the information or the message and so much more about how they convey it. Um, you can take, you know, somebody that, that people would not necessarily consider an actor, physically speaking, because, you know, I think when, when most of America at least thinks of actors, they think of somebody who's sort of good looking and charismatic and has a nice speaking voice and all these things. But you can take somebody like, I don't know, it's just coming off the top of my head, but like Paul Giamatti and just seeing him walk around on the street, most people wouldn't think movie star. Um, and yet we are so tuned in and like whatever he does, people will buy a ticket for it because it's, it's not who is doing it, but how that information is being conveyed. And I'm, I'm sure this comes up a lot in, in both of, uh, your, your, your lines of, of work and study. Well, I think, you know, these actors have really found what works for them and it's a lot of times it's about charisma, but it's identifying those things that other people might not consider to be their superpowers. We we do tend to think of movie stars as being highly attractive and and perfect beings. But when you when you think of the the great artists, they're not so sold on their work uh, on their looks. They're more on their work. So one of the I remember I, I represented Cloris Leachman for many years, and she she said something to me that really struck a chord and she was talking about the great late actress Maureen Stapleton and she said that Maureen Stapleton had a face like a pretzel and she admired that she admired that and there's so many actors she talked about who had these beautiful faces yet they were not necessarily beautiful in a conventional way and so these actors have taken what they what they have they accept it they don't try to change it and they they use it to their advantage and someone like Paul Giamatti you know he's a brilliant actor but he doesn't pretend to be anything that he's not and i think that that really resonates with people and i think you know he's, he's quite brilliant when he that he's taken you know he's he uses what he has and he uses what he has just in the most uh, profound way I also think I completely agree with with uh, with that, and I also believe that it's you know a connection piece. You know, we're our nervous systems are innately programmed to connect with people. So, believe me, if there was a way that we didn't, you know, when we talked about emotions and connections, you know, I would have found it. But there is no way. We are emotional beings, and we're programmed to connect and be relational. So, um, so. I find that I connect with the actor the most when I feel that he or she is connected with the character they're playing. It's almost like, you know, we all, we all know, you know, bad acting, right. And, and how, how you can't just, you can't buy into it. You know, you just can't buy into this person playing that character. And I think with the actor, and this is your, you know, your areas, the more you're connected to the character you're playing, the more the audience watching it will feel connected to you. And that connection piece, I think, um, makes a big difference in, mm. um, you know, in the skill and the craft of an actor, regardless of what they look like. Yeah, it, it's so cool to, to see, too, how this all ties together. It's not just about acting or just about public speaking. It's also very much about how we, we run our lives personally from a social perspective. And, and yeah. it's being authentic and 
committing to who you are and what you're doing. If you're really self-aware walking through the world or you're self-aware playing a character you really can't identify with, we can feel it. And audiences know that you know, innately. They can, they can feel that somebody's not quite committed to what they're doing or, or somehow has distanced themselves from this character they're playing. It really makes a, a difference, I think, in a performance and makes a difference as you're walking out in the world. Um, also, on, um, <clears throat> on page 99 of the book, I earmarked it because <laughs> I, it I well, thought this, I was, yeah. this was really okay. cool. Um, you guys talk about practicing your speech. This is in the realm of public speaking again, but practicing your speech without words. So literally removing all the verbal parts of it and then just basically being your speech, communicating your speech with just your body. Uh, can you talk more about that? Because I've come across this in acting. There have been some rehearsals I've been in for certain shows. And AJ, I know this with you as well. We did this in Wounded where Tom would have us go through the entire scene without any words, just the blocking and communicating the intention with whatever we had left over after we removed the words. Well, I can tell you right now they stole it from us. They stole <laughs> uh, Yeah. I, I, and I'm not, I'm not thrilled, but I'm a little flattered. You know, imitation is, is the, you know, a great form of Didn't, didn't get that trademark in soon enough. Yeah. It, yeah. I, yeah I'm, I'm going to have a word with our attorneys after the show. I can guarantee you that much for free. But it, what it does when, when it comes to public speaking is it, it forces you to connect with what's really happening. So the t- subtext of what you're of what you're trying to communicate, it goes back to the nonverbal of communicating the emotion. It forces you to really understand and re- relay what, you know, the, the message. It also forces you to, to look at the words and to understand what the words mean. You know, we use words all the time and we're, <laughs> we might not understand the power of those words or how to use them properly even but it forces you to, to look at the words and then communicate them. And it, it, I, it's a very valuable exercise. I'm glad they use it in acting. I don't see it a lot in public speaking, but I think it's incredibly valuable. And what it does is it also frees you up to gesture. A lot of times when we are up in front of other people, we'll, we'll freeze up and our body suddenly becomes very robotic. But if we've done this exaggerated gesturing before, our body will remember that. And while we might not be doing a whole charades thing when we get up to speak, we naturally have these gestures that that our body is familiar with and remembers. And so it keeps us from being pretty stayed up there. And another point that I learned from Steve is that it allows you to match your gesturing with the words you want to say. Uh, because sometimes, uh, you know, nerves can cause you to... to to not match those two up. And so when you practice not saying the words, but just doing the gesturing, you're really, because you're trying to convey what in your mind you want to say, but you can't say it, then it really helps match up, match both up. And your mind, as Steve is saying, will remember that when you actually give the speech and you don't have to gesture so exaggeratedly, but now, you know, the two will match up quite nicely. Um, I'm wondering, Steve, when you were you you mentioned you just dropped it in there briefly, but I want to highlight you you were talking about the superpowers when you were talking about uh, when we were having the discussion about Paul Giamatti and stuff, and I think that comes from a, a part of the book where you're talking about the various labels for better or for worse that we give ourselves throughout our lives and. And I was wondering if you could each talk about how that could apply to either an actor or storyteller or or otherwise just in our lives. One of the things that we we tend to do is is we misjudge ourselves or we judge ourselves and we try to change ourselves. Uh, we try to change things that are just never going to change. And a lot many, many times as a public speaker or as an actor, we we understand, okay, well, I, I need to be this other thing. I need to be th- more thin or I need to be taller. Or I need to be whatever. But those are things you can never change. So you really need to own those things as much as possible. Wherever you grew up, how, whatever physicality you are, that's how people are going to see you. 
I've had people who've said to me, well, I'm a leading man. And I, I look at them and I, <laughs> I don't see it. I don't see it. So they keep going out for parts that are for these, these leading men and nobody sees it. But yet they're stuck in their head that they're this leading man character. And of course, that, that can be a very big dead end for people. But if you own who you are and you say, no, I, I happen to be, I, I happen to have more curves or I, I happen to be very small or I happen to be whatever, then people will be more likely to help you and you're allowing people to help you. You know, we have to sometimes get out of our own way and help people help us. And one of the ways we can help people help us if we, is if we accept who we are, what we look like and where we're from. You know, I coach a, a lot of students, and sometimes kids come from areas where there's not a lot of money. They come from very humble circumstances. And I say to them, well, you know what? That is not a detriment for you. That is actually a superpower. And they look at me like I've gone insane. And I put it like this. Look, if somebody comes to your door, and they're running for office, and they say, well, I'm, I want to be your representative, and I grew up very wealthy. I've never had a problem in my life. I drive this beautiful Mercedes, and I built this big home on the hill, and I want to represent you. You look at them like, oh, okay, and the next person comes to the door and said, look, I had a really tough time. I grew up right down the street. My mom had to work three jobs. At one point, I was working two jobs, going to school. I remember when the electricity was shut off because we couldn't afford it, and I went to college anyway took me seven years instead of four. I built this business up, it failed, but I brought it back and now it's, it's doing pretty well. And I really wanna look out for the people in my neighborhood because I, I think I understand you. Well, who, who are you going to vote for? Who are you gonna vote for the person who's had this, this, this life that wasn't so easy? And that's the superpower. Mm. That's a superpower. Yeah. And confidence is the sexiest thing you can, you can have. So when we see people who are confident in who they are, no matter what, we're really drawn to that. So if you're a big person and you're laughing and you're laughing about it and you're owning it, hey, that's pretty sexy. If you're a very small person and you're calling attention to it and you're, you feel, hey, it's okay. I am who I am. And I, I really don't care how you feel because I'm I'm going to be myself. That's very sexy. It's very alluring, and you become a magnet to people. The superpower idea, which which is Steve's idea, and I think is brilliant, is to be able to just really own who you are and what you are. And that doesn't mean that at times you're not going to feel disappointed because maybe you're not three inches taller. Or it doesn't mean you don't have any feelings about it. But you don't let those feelings kind of you know shake you off of your foundation. To be able to accept and own who you are will show up, you know, will come off as confidence with people. And like Steve said, there's nothing sexier than confidence. Hmm. And True somebody story. will find you, you know, not everybody's going to accept you or hire you. So what? That's just the way life works. But as I talked about in the other show, go through the doors that open for you. Keep knocking on the doors. Somebody's going to say, wow, you're perfect. Please don't change. We need you exactly the way you are. Yeah. Please don't change. Yeah. Um, we're, we're getting a little bit tight on time, but I have, I, I know we have one more question that we wanted to sort of just put out there or at least have you invite you guys to talk about before we wrap up. And that is, uh, some of the stuff you guys talk about <clears throat> in, uh, the 10th chapter of the book, uh, specifically the power of rituals to help put, uh, people, whether you're public speaking, whether you're an athlete, whether you're, uh, you know, a performing artist, uh, the power of rituals to help put us in a state to perform. Um, how would you guys maybe describe this to people who are unfamiliar with the, the power of a ritual to put someone in, into a state? And how would you maybe translate it into the arts? Well, for, first of all, I think a lot of actors do have rituals. They do something every day or every time before a performance to get their mind ready to do what they need to do. And, you know, it can be anything from making sure they have something in the green room that, that that comforts them in some way and brings them back to who they are as a person. But Dr. Shirley has 
has some thoughts on this as well, more psychological. Well, it's, you know, the brain makes associations. And so the idea of ritual is that if you associate this thing with either preparing for the audition or, um, you know, whatever you need to do in order to prepare yourself, then those two become associated. And unfortunately, just like negative things become associated, there are positive associations just as well. So the idea of ritual is to kind of get you in that frame of mind to do what you need to do to, you know, accomplish what you want to accomplish. And it's, it's, so it has to do with making associations in your brain so you can then move forward and do what you want to do. Yeah. Yeah. I saw, uh, when I was watching the Olympics, this is something I've noticed <clears throat> for a long, long time. Um, you know, most of those athletes do have some sort of pre competition or pre race ritual. And, and the most obvious one that sticks out to me and a lot of people is Michael Phelps's pre race ritual. He hops on, gets on that block and he does that stretchy arm thing. And then he flaps them around three times. Have you guys, did you guys <laughs> notice that? Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. The, he was just on Jimmy Fallon and Jimmy Fallon was like, you know, teasing him for it and stuff. And, but I, I recognized that as like something that he has probably done for decades before every single race, because it's just part of his process. It's, it's a trigger of some kind that puts him, helps put him in that state and helps him focus. And I think there's, you know, something that we can all do or take away from that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because he's associated that ritual with getting ready for the race and going all out for it. And that's an association made. I'm sure that he could race just as well without doing that. But because those two have been associated in his mind, then that helps him get to that level of, you know, strength or competition or whatever word we want to use to describe it. And that's what rituals are about. So cool. Um, well, we, we're, we're basically out of time here, but uh, I wanted to ask one last question of you guys. And that is, if if somebody is coming at this information for the first time and they're thinking like, wow, this is a lot of stuff, man. All I want to do is be a more effective communicator in my life. What would be a, a first nugget of advice or, or action, an action step for them that you guys would recommend? And Steve, why don't maybe you go first? Buy our book. It's sensational. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It's fantastic. Well, you, I think you have to remember, first of all, that nerves are part of they're our natural process. We are we are programmed to panic and not not to get too overwhelmed with that. Second, understand that the audience is rarely your enemy. They really want you to succeed, and that all of this is a process. And not to be discouraged by the amount of information. It's really about the awareness, like Dr. Shirley talks about. Be aware first of all. It doesn't mean you have to solve every problem you know, right now, be aware and start exploring and figure out what's going to work for you. And yeah. that's really what it's about, right, Dr. Shirley? Absolutely. The only thing that I would add to that is come at it with curiosity. You know, curiosity is the antidote to judgment. So if something shows up, an emotion shows up, or be curious about, okay, what's happening? Why am I feeling that? Coming at it with curiosity takes away the judgment and takes away you know, you adding stress to maybe an already a somewhat stressful situation. So I would say be curious about your process. Hmm. I like to say cultivate curiosity. I feel like that's such a key part of success in any, any life area. I love that. Area. I love it. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Well, the, the book is absolutely fantastic. I, I really believe it, it, it's an essential handbook for actors. I mean, I would go ahead and just put it right in there with, you know, the various technique books and whatnot, because there's so, there's so much, you get to swap out a few words here and there, you know, for, for acting. And then all of a sudden you've got the same exact thing. It's, it's just a brilliant collection of concepts that people can take to create not only authentic characters on stage and in front of the camera, but also to, to find and work their, you know, their, their type and gauge their audiences, both on screen and off and, you know, build effective relationships and, and really, um, create harmonious relationships relationships and that's really as we all know what what every industry is built on and fun wow. a lot thank of fun. you i thank had a blast you. thank you reading it. it's 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 a it's it's fun to read and 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 i hesitate to use these words because they're usually a, a negative connotation associated with them but in the most positive way it's like easy and simple in that it's it, it's you take these really challenging concepts that we run into in our 
personal lives, not just in our professional lives, and break them down in such a way that they that they don't seem like that big, big bad tiger anymore. Well, we've been called a lot of things, and easy and simple will take because <laughs> <laughs> you Thanks know so we, much. We, yeah, we <laughs> thank you for saying that actually because we're not these uh, highbrow academic types. We, we've learned some things along the way, but really it's about making sure that that it's accessible and not really rocket science because it really isn't. Mm. And, and, you know, and, and funny too. I mean, I love to laugh. There is something so, you know, and Steve, you know, again, makes me laugh all the time. There's just something so comforting about laughter. And we wanted the book to have that tone as well. So it wasn't this kind of thing we felt you had had to read to get some tips and what you were interested in, but that you wanted to read because it has some comedic levity throughout. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's so much fun personality in this book. And again, for anybody listening, the book is called scared speechless and that's nine ways to overcome your fears and captivate your audience, uh, as the subtitle. So, uh, Stephen Shirley, thank you so very much for taking the time to chat with us today. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, you know, I love this show so much, and it's it's such an honor to be on before, and uh, I just watched the show grow, and again, such a privilege to be here, and I'm so glad that you were able to meet Dr. Shirley. She's fantastic. Mm. Well, we are quite pleased as well. <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait for the in-person. Yeah. yeah, we'll do that one day. Let's do that. Yeah. Uh, but thank you for having me on. It was a wonderful time. Hey, welcome back, folks, and I hope you enjoyed that part of the interview and the entire interview itself. Uh, would definitely recommend the book, but, you know, there's a great taste for it. And also just, you know, what an awesome reminder that we are, uh, at the end of the day, animals that basically have, you know, very similar um, you know, feelings and fears to the rest of the animal kingdom. And we, you know, the advantage is that we, we have a, a brain that can sort of deal with it, at least, at least identify it. You know, we mm-hmm. have sort of self self-awareness, if you will, to identify it and, and, and do something about it. Um, I, I really, really dug this interview. It, it, it puts so many things into perspective and a calming perspective for me, so I, I hope it did the same for our listeners. Yeah, yeah, powerful stuff, man. Um, it, I love when she talked about the sort of the tribal. Um, I don't think she actually said mammalian brain, but you know the idea of the the triune brain theory that we've got three brains that kind of grew on top of each other throughout our evolution. So at the core, the base, we have the reptile brain, which is basically you know, looks at the world and says like, should I fight this thing or should I have sex with it? Or should I run away? Like there's just the the most basic things. Then you've got the mammalian brain, which is very emotional, the tail wagging brain, people call it. Um, and that's the one that tends to run our lives more often than not. And then on top of that is the intellectual brain, the neocortex, which does all this sort of high level thinking and problem solving. But 90% of the time we're run by that social emotional brain. And so you know, we think we're making rational decisions when actually we're entirely driven by emotion and just being aware of that and keying into that through some of the principles that, that they share uh, in the book and in this interview, I think is real game changer, man. Real game changer. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Awesome. What's your pick of the week, brother? My pick of the week is a book by a woman named Pam Grout and the book is called E Squared. And I forget the subtitle, but it's something like nine do-it-yourself experiments to, to prove that the, the law of attraction is, is a thing. It is a really, really, really cool book. I think it's available on Kindle for like three bucks or four bucks or something obscenely affordable. Um, but it's, it's changed my world, man. I mean, you know, I, I've talked about law of attraction and I've talked about, you know, the secret in quantum physics. And I think it's easy to sort of get sort of tied up in the positive thinking sort of aspect of it because there's so much potential and possibility there that makes you feel good to think about this. But when it comes to the actual act of executing on that, like Craig Ballantyne calls it the law of action attraction. I think that that's where a lot of us get tripped up and we start to become skeptics of this whole sort of positive thinking thing. So this book is all about 
basically explaining, like taking the quantum physics aspect of the law of attraction and energy fields and all this stuff and really breaking it down into everyday layman, you know, layperson speech. And then there are nine experiments that you can do complete with like lab report sheets and everything to really prove that your thoughts create your reality, that they influence reality. And I've been doing some of these experiments and oh my God, dude, they they work. And it's not, it's not just coincidence. There is so much feedback we're getting from the world and our bodies and this other invisible realm that, that we miss out on because we, we distract ourselves. Uh, with stuff. But when you take the time to really be quiet and intentionally interact with the world from an energetic point of view, my God, we can create anything. So um, I don't think this will be anything new to you, AJ, but to me, I needed to hear this message put this way in this book for me to really get it. Uh, So I would, I would recommend this without hesitation to anybody who's interested in quantum physics, law of attraction, and uh, general spirituality. I always love it when someone takes something that's uh, challenging to either understand or challenging to prove or challenging to explain or it sounds like really out there and woo woo and puts it in some kind of practical format. Yeah, and it sounds like that's what this is. That always I love that stuff because, you know, it, it, there are people, uh, us included, that are skeptics about certain things or people are like, eh, whatever the t- stuff doesn't, you know, until they until they have some kind of. You know, people need to see before they believe as opposed to the other way around, which is ironic because that's the whole point of, you know, law of attraction. But anyway, yeah. yeah. Have you seen um, What the Bleep Do We Know? Yes. Okay, cool. Did that movie, did you kind of get everything they were talking about in that movie? I, I did. I did, but I also was very... I was also very tuned into how someone could be watching that going, this is bullshit. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like I was like watching and going like, oh yeah, that makes complete sense. I'm like following along with it. And I'm like, man, from a certain point of view, if I was watching this from a certain point of view, I'd be like, this is horse shit. And why am I wasting my time? Mm. Um, So I get it. I get how like that, that point of view can be out there. So I love any sort of opportunity to have it, illustrated in a practical way. Yeah. I I was going to say, I mean, this, this book takes a lot of the concepts in that documentary, that film that I found hard to wrap my brain around. And it really puts them in a way where you're like, Oh, Oh yeah. Like I get it. Like party time. Okay, cool. (laughs) Party time. If I could could sum up the the book in a phrase, it would be that party time. Party time. E squared (laughs) by Pam Grout and your pick of the week. My pick of the week is sort of a website slash events company. I don't really know how to describe it, but it's awesome, and I'm so glad I found it. And Jasmine and I have been sort of taking advantage of it uh, here and there. It, they basically so a few weeks ago, some people may have noticed on social media that she and I went to see the Neverending Story on the big screen, like in a movie theater, in a really awesome movie theater uh, that that we both live really close to, actually, Trevor, um, and you know. There was something so magical about sitting in like, you know, a comfy, modern, uh, you know, theater seat and with this huge screen and watching this movie that is like a classic from, you know, the 80s or whatever. Because um, it was the 25th anniversary or something oh like that. So anyway, uh, am I doing proper math? Would that be the 90s? doesn't matter. So it was put on by this company called Fathom Events and their website is fathomevents.com. And when we started to do some research, uh, Jasmine and I were like, this, this company is amazing. They basically do all of these like anniversary uh, movies. So they, 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 they're doing upcoming screenings of like Young Frankenstein um, and w- with like Mel Brooks, um, a Q&A with Mel Brooks afterwards. They're doing um, the 40th anniversary of Taxi coming up. Uh, they, they, I was going to say televised, but they cinemize. Um, uh, things like opera from the Met or, um, the Bolshoi ballet. So, you know, there's some things, some of these things that aren't always accessible to people. And, you know, for the two of us who spent time in New York, there's a lot of really amazing art and, and dance and stuff that we're missing from out there. So to have some kind of access to this is really great. And they show them at theaters all over the place. So if you go onto their website, click on an event you're interested in, then type in your 
um, your zip code, I think, or your city, you, you can find one that might be near you. And, you know, they're probably in major markets only, but they, they do the National Theater Live thing, uh, NTL, if you've ever heard of that. Um, so you can see uh, live theater, but on a big screen. Anyway, it's really cool. And they did, um, it's, it already passed, but they did a screening of the new movie Snowden with a Q&A afterwards with, um, oh my God, why am I blanking on the Oliver, uh, Oliver the, Stone, Oliver Stone. Thank you. Jesus. It's like, he's like one of the most famous directors ever. And I just blanked on his name. They did a Q and a afterwards with Oliver Stone and Snowden. Wow. It was like the guy, not Joseph Gordon-Levitt, like Snowden himself. Actual from, Edward Snowden, like on a Skype from Russia or yeah, something. On a Skype from, yeah, from Moscow. Wow. Uh, so anyway, like stuff like that. It's crazy. And, and they just, I don't know how I've never heard of it before, but it, it's really cool. And if you're into, you know, documentaries and independent film and theater and dance and, and, and nostalgic films, I would definitely, definitely check out uh, their website and their upcoming events. Hmm. I, yeah, I've, uh, I've often seen ads for, for stuff that they do before, you know, movies and stuff like that. And I've seen the theater ones and I think they do, they did a thing with this American life. Maybe that was them, maybe not. But they've done they've done live streaming to that. Yeah, lots of cool shit, man. Fathomevents.com. Sweet. Yeah. Anything else to, to add before we get out of here? No, man. Today's episode of Inside Acting was produced and co-hosted by yours truly, AJ Meyer, and of course Trevor Algat. Jen Levin is our production coordinator. Gadali Guprik is our marketing web director. Deborah Smith is our community manager. Timothy Patrick Waterman is our director of public relations. Trevor Algat edited and mixed today's episode and composed our theme and interview music. And Fern Lim designed our logo. You can sign up for our weekly email dispatch and listen to all of our episodes over at our website, InsideActing.net. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play is coming very soon. Uh, and if you do nothing else, uh, a favorable review on iTunes, which is like the mother hub of podcasts, a favorable review uh, for our show on that uh, in that space goes a really long way for us. It's it's a lot like putting a little tip in our tip jar. Helps other people trust that uh, subscribing to this thing would be worth their time. So uh, definitely helps a lot. So a, a, a nice positive review on iTunes would go a long way for us. Special thanks to our sponsors, Rehearsal Pro and VO2Gogo.com. And thanks to you, of course, our listeners. If you love inside acting, you want to maximize its value in your life and your career, and of course, support the continued production of the podcast, sign up as a member and get cool perks like access to our private member community message board, invites to exclusive member meetups like the uh, Headshot Express happening on October 23rd. Do not forget October 23rd. Um, <clears throat> yeah, you can get on the Headshot Express. Woo, woo. Uh, fun freebies, special bonus content, and much, much more. Uh, it's just seven bucks a month. And if you sign up for a full year, you get two months free. Just visit insideacting.net and click on the membership tab to get started. You can also make a one time, no strings attached tax deductible donation, of course, if you'd like, by visiting insideacting.net slash contribute. And that does it for episode 251 of Inside Acting. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week. And in the meantime, feel your feelings. Oh,